Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. It is 4 a.m. The sky is a bruised black and blue, and we are somewhere near a valley in the red grass slathered hills surrounding it. Between these hills runs a road. It's bumpy with uneven stones and cracked concrete. All is quiet, aside from the cranky mechanics of a red SUV. Here it comes now. This is driven by a boy named Dylan. For this specific meet and greet, Dylan has meticulously acquired an orange, flowery button-up with the sleeves rolled promptly twice, just above the bicep. Khaki shorts that when he sits, he sits very specifically as not to wrinkle them, and compression socks for circulatory health. He finds the hill he is looking for. It is slightly taller than the rest, a bit flatter at the peak. Oh yeah, that'll do. Oh, yeah. He pulls off the main road. Dylan forewent bringing a coat due to aesthetic reasons. The dry chill in the air begs him to have reconsidered. He collects his resolve and combs the peak of this hill for the perfect place to lay out the circle. There. He finds a shallow spot in the grass, satisfactory in size and terrain. He produces a small bag from his pocket and a mini ruler dumps seven identical rounded yellow rocks into his palm and gets to work. Exactly 11 inches apart, he lays the stones in a circle, careful with how his khakis crinkle as he crouches. When he finishes, he double checks the angles, the distance each stone holds apart from the other. He waits, he watches. One second goes by, then two. A light flickers beneath the seventh rock. She did it. Nice. That's a good sign. It is, isn't it? He stands in wait for the prophetess. 
bit impatiently. He double-checks his watch. It's 4.06. He's definitely not early. She is late. Ah! Fashionably. There was a woman in the circle that was not there before. She stands quite wild-eyed before Dylan, breathless and surprised. She's taller than him, which isn't rare, but definitely a mental hurdle. Always. Her face is an expressive oval, complete with sharp, dark eyes and a thin mouth currently warped into a frown. A tangled mess of hair, colored with all of the grayish colors of a brewing cumulonimbus cloud, is tied above her head in a clump. When she sees Dylan, her left hand, bearing a particularly menacing walking stick, whitens its grip. Dylan throws his hands out, welcoming. Hey, hello! Are you Tara? You're not Logan! No, no, I'm Dylan, his personal assistant. I mean, secretary. I'm taking you to Vallis. Vallis. Right. Thank you. Tara looks at him, alert, eyes wide, before briskly walking down the hill. He notices that she doesn't have any luggage, save for the backpack on her back, a large embroidered satchel, and the stick. Her satchel's lid is torn clean off. Rough morning? Sure. Her boots part the red grass with a kick. Her open bag dusts the ground with opaque bottles and crumpled papers. Mystified and a little doe-eyed, Dylan trails behind Tara, picking up the trinkets she is leaving behind. Um, do you know that your bag is a hmm? little broken? Oh, look at that. I guess I do. Okay, cool, cool. Um, you're dropping a lot oh, of stuff. Shit. But I got, like, most of it, I think. Tara softens her pace to watch Dylan stack the bottles and slips of paper in his arms. Thank you. Sorry. Yeah, that's my apothecary bag. Apathy? Apothecary? It's medicine, herbs, instructions, stuff like that. Oh, gotcha. Wow, that's so cool. Does it have, like, your prophetic magic spells, potions? No. More like medicine, herbs, oh, got instructions. Oh, got it. Is this all you have? I suppose it is. They've reached the vehicle. Dylan watches Tara throw her backpack and broken bag carelessly into the back seat. He helpfully dumps his collection of littered items into it. She seems to finally notice the state of her pants and takes a moment to fuss at the tear in the right knee. <sighs> Great thing. Dylan opts not to mention that she's getting blood on the upholstery. Um, are you, like, okay? Fine. I just think that we really ought to get going. What happened to you? Nothing much. Just got a little cut. Tara bristles against the morning breeze, panning slowly to look over her shoulder. She sees something that Dylan does not. What? How did you- Dylan watches as Tara is suddenly tossed into the air like a ball. Or a rag, perhaps? A few yards from the car. She lands in two rolls and a flop. Dylan blinks at the spot she had stood expectant. Uh, hello? Over here? Ow! I'm here! It's totally normal to feel a little jumpy on your first no, day. No, I was thrown! Tara has been flung. That's a better word. It's more precise. Thrown? By what? Are you okay? Oh, shit. 
Can you hand me my stuff? Where is it? It's behind you! When she says it, sweet Dylan can only assume she means the stick. But no, she means the source of the mysterious ticking sound. He turns and sees nothing, but to his right, in the grass a few yards ahead of her, he finds the staff. He picks it up at a cringingly slow pace. Uh, so if you were thrown, what yeeted you? Dylan, give me that. Please, Dylan. It's just throw no it! problem. I can walk it over. We got literally all day. <laughs> this clicking isn't for him, and thus he can't hear it. Just Tara. And us. Hand it to me now! Reflexively, Dylan flinches, chucking the staff in her direction. Tara catches it and swings. Dylan may not have heard the clicking or seen the clicking thing, but he definitely notes the new translucent russet blood that drips from the tip of Tara's weapon. Only for a moment, though. It fades into the wood, sinking into the grooves and cracks, into its unseen center, and within moments, the staff is clean again. Is it... what? Did you kill... is something dead? Yeah. I think that maybe it might be. It? She stares at the ground behind him. Dylan follows her gaze, wondering what kind of thing lies there that he can't see, then... Not knowing what else to do, he offers his hand. Tara takes it. Thank you. Okay. To the car! Are you okay? Oh, I'll be fine. What just happened? Did something hurt Start you? the car, please. I mean... We need to go! Promptly frazzled, Dylan flops into the driver's seat and steps on the gas. Tara jams her staff into the back. The sky is bluer than it was. The grass seems bloodier against it. The clock reads 4.17. Do you have, like, a favorite radio station? Or... Oh, this is great. Libby's. Dylan, you said? Uh, yeah, Tara. Yep. Hey, where's Logan? He said in the offer that he would be the one picking me up. He was caught up with work and stuff. Couldn't make it. Paperwork at 4 a.m.? Yeah, his words. I'm his personal assistant, though, and have been completely informed. I think. Let me know if you have any questions in the meantime. Tara studies him with a dash of what Dylan reads as consternation. He wonders if this is a profit thing. He's getting a little sweaty. So many Alopecia? Excuse me? Sorry. Your skin. Tara refers to the splotchy blanch spots that pepper Dylan's body as if he is a painted pony. They wrap around his right eye, trickle over his left ear, and cradle his chin. It splatters here and there on his arms and legs. Oh, vitiligo. Similar thing, but yeah, it's always been like this. I get a little new spotty boy every year or so. Keeps me on my toes. I've never seen it like that. Like, what, this much? Yeah. Not to say that it looks bad. No, totally. It's just so interesting. Aww. Yeah, I mean, I was a little self-conscious about it growing up, but then I got over myself, you know? Besides, no one in the dating pool has ever had complaints. 
Not like, not that I'm, not I'm trying. No, I'm, no, I'm not. Totally. No. Tara smiles. Dylan smiles back and, oh, they take this moment to smile at each other. That is, until the vehicle jerks as something thuds onto the roof. Heavy. Whoa, we got some wildlife hitchhiking? You hear that? Is that bad? That's not great. It tries to punch a hole through the roof and fails. A small dent plume bobs over Tara's head. It succeeds with the rear window. The vehicle swerves, running over the safety sidelines, adding to this cacophony with loud thumps. Watch the road, Dylan. Okay, so what are you seeing? What the f- Watch the road! Dylan yanks the wheel, narrowly missing the divot on the side of the road. Keeping her eyes on the gaping hole in the trunk, Tara feels around the back seat for her walking stick. Something joins them in the car. Something makes eye contact with Tara, who swings, and something slinks out the back. Dylan takes a soft gander and sees nothing. Tara's facing the front again, chest heaving, her staff nestled in her elbow. Wind licks up the hair from their necks. Dylan makes direct eye contact with the road through the gaping hole in the trunk. What do I tell Logan? I'll talk to him. Don't worry. Great. Yes. Good. Good. So, what? It's been following me all night. What has? I don't really know. Is this like a, like a prophet thing? You know what? Maybe. Love to hear it. Is it gone? Yeah. Yes. I'd speed up though if I were you. Tara notes a slight chipping at the point of her staff. Upon further investigation, a crumple of greenery breaks into dust in her fingers. Are prophets allowed to cuss? Folks are usually too afraid to tell me differently. But what about, you know? Dylan gestures to the ceiling. I like to think that they're a little pissed too. Hey, how long is the drive? Uh, about an hour and a half. You cool if I just take a quick nap? Totally. Yeah. Go for it, folk. Thanks, Dylan. Tara's small snores help keep Dylan alert. Well, that and the gaping hole in the back of his employer's vehicle. He glances back at it every now and then and tries to rationalize. He didn't see anything, which was apparently good to Tara. Or was that bad? He definitely saw Tara get yeeted into the sky, and he witnessed that whole thing with the trunk. Hitchhikers, maybe? A wild animal? Probably. He has a long day ahead of him. The official headcanon that he settles on is a very speedy mountain lion. They coast through the quiet hours of dawn. The dark blue sky becomes purple, then pink, then another type of blue. The red hills are replaced by flowering trees, then farmland, then a larger, pointier type of tree. Tara? Hey, Tara, wake up. We have customs. Our prophetess peels her forehead off the glass. Sorry, oh, what are they? Do we have to do something once No, we like, get- customs? Security outpost. Oh. They have come to a stop 
outside a small kiosk composed of wood and stone. A folk stands outside of it waiting for them. They are young and bored looking, but certainly not boring looking. Flame blue hair spikes out on all sides of their head, bangs sticking straight up like a cowlick. Giant orange earrings swallow their ears, thick black eyeliner engulfs their eyes, and a soft blue shadow grazes their chin. They are holding a string cheese stick. I think we all have absolutely no choice but to instantly stand. Though they wave wildly as the car slows to a stop. Dylan rolls down the window. <laughs> D! Willow! I was afraid I wouldn't catch you. Don't you normally get the graveyard shift? Yeah, but I switched with my early morning friend, so I slept one more hour than I usually do. I'm on top of the world. <laughs> Love that for you. Now, what are you doing up and looking that good at 5 a.m.? It's an actual violation. Oh, can I get by with a warning? No, I'm writing you up right now. Section 6C. <laughs> get it? Like, like sexy? <laughs> <laughs> I assume you had a pickup? Hey! You? I haven't seen you before. Hey, I'm Tara. Tara! Your little gray getup is so cute that I am indeed dead. Deceased. (laughs) My name is Willow. I'm a welcome kiosk guardian, which are fancy words for hi, welcome, I'm gonna love and protect you, both because it's my job and because you've got solid vibes. So what you up to here, Taraboo? Taraboo? Tara mouths to Dylan. She's the new prophetess for Valis. Prophetess. Willow mouths to Dylan. The wise woman. Oh, oh! I thought we already had one of those. Yeah, uh, because Helga actually died. Oh, no, yeah, yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah, she's actually deceased. Uh, how long ago was that? Three years, I think. You haven't had a prophetess for three years? Um, <laughs> nope. So, Tara, you'll be Valis's resident prof. D here is picking you up, so does that mean you'll be housing with Valiaths? Yep. <laughs> Breathe this in. What? The, the bliss of hopeful ignorance. <laughs> <laughs> the last shard of glass hanging onto the trunk falls. Willow leans into Dylan's window and peers directly through the trunk. Hey, what happened to Logan's car? Uh, yeah. Uh, Speedy Mountain Lion? Wow, really? Well, you know what they say about mountain lions in the morning. He does not. I do not. If Tara does, she's not letting on. What What do they? Do they? Uh, yeah. I'll keep that in mind. No plans to smuggle fruit across the border this morning, right? That would be an actual violation. Nah. Think they also a reminder to hit me up. We got a club again, and with Dune. Ugh. Oh, no doubt for Dale Ale. Anywhere else, I will boycott. Okay, I'll let you crazy kids go. <laughs> Welcome to Valis, Tara. Willow waves them through. As Dylan pulls forward, they raise a hand high. The trees break into a clearing, and we are now in the territory known to this world map as Valis. Tara doesn't trouble herself with the scenery. It's too early for that. I won't trouble you either, not yet. Let's pan away and greet Tara's welcome committee.
the mouth of Lyeth Hall stand Ellie and Dune Lyeth, respectively. It is 5.45 a.m., and the two have greeted this hour with stark difference. Ellie has at least mimicked presentability. A soft blue dress blasts her petite curves a fanfare of compliments, and she's meticulously curled her hair to the point that it is so gorgeously voluminous that it truly may render you deaf. Let's hope it doesn't, though. This is an audio adventure. Dune has taken a different approach. His blonde hair is tied in a top knot, and this outfit of the day is a mid-length red bathrobe over his briefs. He's lanky and freckled. He looks a bit grumpy, but in a kind sort of way. The wind intermittently peels back his garment, and if you are curious, the brief's pattern consists of a quite delicate cursive print of a dick. Uh, if you weren't curious, neither was Ellie, but here she is, and hey, here we are. Are you kidding me? Well, I don't understand why you're dressed for a picnic. We've got to put a good foot forward. It's fucking 4 a.m. Almost 6 and it's our first impression on the new wise woman. Yeah, so might as well make it accurate. Where's that? Sleeping. Fucking serious. Hate that for us. Could you at least pretend to be excited? I'm excited to see Dill. Oh, yeah, me too. So I can tell him he really fucked up at getting Dad off his ass. Their dad's red SUV pulls into the driveway. They see the soft shape of their father's secretary. Ellie and Dune watch him park, meticulously keeping the front of the car facing the house. What is he doing? I don't know. That's not a marked parking spot. Yeah, that's why I asked that. The passenger door swings open, and the siblings see a pair of foreign boots hit the gravel. Something in their chests flutter. Something in their stomachs lurch. Get ready for the brimstone. She's gonna be great for Valis. For us. Like Helga was? Yeah. Those damnation prophecies were pretty lit. You know it's majorly metaphorical. You know it's majorly metaphorical. Shut up. They're here. <laughs> Dylan and the new gray-haired prophetess haul a very small amount of baggage between them. Ellie breathes out a smile. Dune holds back a burp. Hello! Hey. Welcome home! There is a moment of surveillance between the two parties. Is that her? Yes. Her hair is so cute. Do you think it's like dyed? That, or she's actually 300 years old. <laughs> 300. Is that possible? <gasps> yeah. Really? Really. No. No, that's fake. That's gotta be fake, right? That's not Logan. No, he's probably not up yet. So, who are these folks? His children. Well, half of them. Ah. Not like literal halves. But Two out of four. All. Yeah, I got that. Okay, great. Amazing. Just checking. Dill, did you forget how to park? Dune, did you forget how to dress? I did not forget. I forewent. Hi, Tara. Welcome to Lyoth Hall. What happened to you? Yeah, speedy mountain lion. Ellie's eyes become dinner plates. Dune's mouth becomes a saucepan. Dylan watches Tara with a sparkle in his eye. So he was right. He assumes, anyways. What? That's crazy! Are you like, yeah, it's true. I'll be okay. fine. Uh, by what? Just wildlife, you know? I don't, actually. Oh, your poor pants. Oh, your poor bag, Tara. Yeah, aw. Uh, and you are? Right. I'm Ellie. 
Logan's daughter. Logan's middle boy. Dune. Like a sand dune, but without the sand. Where did the sand go? Windy day. Sad. Hey, where's Logan? Oh, uh, he's probably just getting upstairs. He's asleep. Still, I set three alarms for him. What are you guys even doing up? Yeah, I heard them from two doors down. Also heard them get snoozed. He told us last night that we'd be a part of the welcoming committee. Which I guess translates to letting him sleep in. I'm so sorry, Tara. It's not usually like this. No one's face reflects this truth. But I really wanted to meet you anyways. We're so excited to have you. I, yeah, I'm excited to be here. <sighs> yeah, look, I just shaved last night and it's fucking cold. So we could stay out here where it's cold or we can go inside and I elect indoors. Dylan and Tara throw one last look at the car, then haste after Dune and Ellie. Morning light mists the entryway through towering windows. The ground is opaque tile with a deep blue carpet striping down the middle. In the center is a large set of double doors and another to their immediate left. We're in kind of a renovation phase, so it's a little gaudy right now. The center doors lead to our meeting hall, which is where the territory meet will be happening later in the morning. Those doors over there are the public library. Down that right hallway is the dining room and kitchen. That's the easiest to remember. It's the big circle room. Tara will not retain any of this information. This gives you the freedom to not do either. Offices are down that left hallway. Dad's yours. Don't get too excited. It used to be a closet. It's nice. I didn't say it was a small closet. What do you think of Lyoth Hall? It's beautiful. It's big. Fancy. It's a bit much. Yeah. They climb the stairs. Dylan departs from them on the second floor. I'll go check on Logan. If he's dead, tell us via cake. Red velvet, please. Comic Sans, for the font. Dylan pulls out a notebook and clicks his pen. Got it. What kind of icing? Actually, I'm not really like a cake guy, you know? Oh, ice cream then! That would blow up my butthole, L. I'm lactose intolerant. I know that. You want to know how I know that? Because you say it three times a day, then insist you put shredded cheese on everything. I can't be tamed. Dylan is off down the hall. He stops at a door near the end, gathers his composure, and knocks. Tara, Ellie, and Dune move onwards, up another flight. How many folks live here? Me, Dune, Mom, and Dad, Eller, and Mikey. They're my other brothers. Dylan. Yeah, Dylan and... Agnes. Yeah, and you, so eight. Agnes? Yeah, you know her? I don't know her well, but she's the one who got me the interview with Logan. She's a secretary too, right? Yep. She's our mom's. Luciana's personal assistant, yeah. Wow. Fate is a wild card. Big coincidence, more like. Neither of those are true. Ellie and Dune exchange glances as they make it to the third floor. Mystical. Ellie mouths to Dune. Dumb. Dune mouths to Ellie. This was our last wise woman, Helga's room. It may need some tidying up. It hasn't been touched since she died. Tara stares through this fading door at the end of the hall. She didn't die in there, did she? No, no. Why? Would that be bad? Is there ghosts here? Uh, 
No. Just curious. She died while she was away on sabbatical. Uh-huh. Yeah, we heard she had vertigo and teetered off a bridge. Oh, shit. A moment of, albeit, awkward silence for Helga. Ellie unlocks the door and hands off the key to Tara. Inside lies a large room but a small living space. It is modest and dusty in here. A kitchenette is at their immediate right. A couch and TV just beyond. A bathroom is to the left, and next to it, another door. Tara guesses her bedroom. The walls are pale yellow, and there are quilts everywhere. I'm not sure everything is working and everything, but it sure has its charm. That's a lot of quilts. Yeah, she was insane. She was sewing all the time when she wasn't telling us we were all going to get mauled to death by the darkness of our souls. Cool. Which is, that's like a load of shit, right? Too early to tell. <laughs> cool. <laughs> that's... Fuck. Dune slouches into the corner of the room and begins nervously biting his thumbnail. Tara crosses the room to the opposite wall, where large windows are hidden by heavy, dust-laden curtains. Tara tugs on them once in an attempt to open them. The entire curtain rips off and limply sits on the floor. The three watch it for a bit. Mood. Are these curtains a quilt? Yeah. We were kind of afraid to touch anything, didn't want to mess with anything like sacred or prophetic auras or whatever. I appreciate the thought, but they're just quilts. Nothing to do with the work. I mean, you've been carrying around a walking stick. Is that part of the work? Perchance. Perchance? Dylan walks through the open doorway and slumps on the couch in a puff of dust. (sighs) Is the cake in the oven? Nice continuity, L. We settled on ice cream. Uh, Tara, I spoke with Logan, and he's going to connect with you briefly before the monthly Territory Hall meeting at 11, where he'll be introduced to the folks. Tara's lips purse. Dylan rather enjoys watching Tara experience what he assumes will be a very typical day working with Logan Lyoth for the first time. She looks like she's trying hard not to look like she's blowing up a big balloon. That could have been explained beforehand, so you wouldn't have to pick me up at 4 a.m. You'd think so, wouldn't you? That requires thinking. And a concrete concept of time. Dylan checks his watch, unhappy with the result. Shit. Sorry. Sorry, darn. I gotta head out. Logan wants me to check on the meeting room and then figure out a box for profit requests. Oh, and Tara... If you can make a list of things you need to replace or fix in here by the end of the day, that would be lit. Dylan's eyes skirt from the curtain on the floor to the lack of curtains on the curtain rod. That's a mood. That's what I said! Maybe just make a list of what you want to keep. I think that may be shorter. Will do. Do you get a break today? I like to think that driving to the hills and back was my break. Besides, it's almost lunch, right? Breakfast? Almost breakfast. Dylan's sad eyes shrink. I'll fix you a little mixer and leave it in the fridge, if you want. (sighs) You're a stud, but I should remain level-headed. Big day! We have a new member of the house. Oh, who? The three look respectfully at Tara. 
Don't be coy, Tara. It's you. Ah, sleep. (laughs) Sleep will be good. Mystical. Dune mouths to Ellie. Stop. Ellie mouths to Dune. Let's leave her to it. Big day for you too, Tara. I'll lock you down, Dill. I'm headed back to my room anyway. Dylan stands a little straighter at this. Awkwardly formal. Uh, yeah. Cool. Okay. Bye, Tara. Yeah, I'll catch you at the meeting. Eleven. Remember that. Thanks for everything this morning. Dylan beams at her. Dutifully. Allowing his eyes to flitter to her torn-up satchel. A bit of pain mixes with this politeness. They go. Ellie lingers in the kitchenette, teetering from toes to heels, watching her new prophetess. She opens her mouth to speak, then closes it again. A thought occurs. A thought leaves. Sounds try to climb their way up Ellie's throat, but her lips just won't part to let them through. Tara watches all of this happen serenely, expectantly, a bit impatiently. What's up, Ellie? Nothing. Just happy to have a wise woman prophetess around. I'm, I'm gonna go. Oh, okay. See you at the meeting. Try to get some rest. Thanks. And finally, Tara is alone in a new place. We all know this sensation. Those first few moments in a new space that is ours, but it doesn't feel like it. Not yet. The walls will become familiar friends, but they aren't. They're yellow and weirdly fragrant. The fridge will be filled with our food, but now there's just one expired head of... I don't know, actually. Let's not dwell on it. This is how Tara feels now. I'm sure it would be more dismal if she were less tired. She wanders to the window that the curtains have fallen off of. Her view is of the rocky mountain face that Lyoth Hall is pressed up against. How dull. She balls up the fallen quilt and discovers the trash bin. She stuffs it inside. She decides that her list of things to keep will go like this. The trash can and... And... Maybe it's not a list, but a sentence. She changes out of her clothes and spends a total of five minutes trying to scrub out the grass and bloodstains in the sink before finally forfeiting and leaving them to soak. Tara dumps out her apothecary bag on the bed and grabs her notebook and her pen. She sits at the desk noting how little support the chair serves for her lower back, and tries to remember. She is no artist, but she always does this. She draws the things she has seen and has yet to understand. This notebook is relatively new. The sightings inside are relatively newer. Now she draws it. Uh, what had it looked like again? Feet. Pointed. Like needles. Four? No. It was an uneven distribution. Five. Its steps clicked, which likely meant... No toes. Uh, reflexive. Fast. What color? It was strange. Red. No. Orange. Like a sunset? Or the fruit? Like something burning. Oh. Tara lightly shades it in with some crayon. 
She admires her drawing, though admire is a rather positive word for it. It looks like everything and nothing at all. Prophets aren't the most specific sort of artists. A terrible cost of the trade, I'm afraid. She scribbles some clarifying notes on the side. Dylan did not see or hear it. Good. That's good. But it had destroyed a car. That's not so good. She flips through the booklet again, making sure it's not a repeat, that she hasn't seen this one before. Her calloused thumb picks at a nick in her staff. <sighs> Fuck it. Tara tosses the notebook with a thud. She shoves the pen in a drawer. She lays on the bed on something lumpy. A quilt. <gasps> Tara chucks it at the trash bin. She lays down again. She settles on top of the blankets, staff propped up against the bedside, and she looks up. Well, we're here. We are. Despite everything I told you. She really doesn't want to be here. I'm here. You are. Is that good enough for you? We wouldn't have much of a story if that were the case, would we? But she isn't talking to us. This being that she refers to says nothing. She wasn't really asking them to anyways, but this silence is still residential, familiar, and always, always a little bit hurtful. Well, what now? She doesn't like to wait, yet she falls asleep doing just that. Five hours later, after drifting in and out of consciousness, Tara gets dressed for the Territory Hall meeting, feeling much worse than before. Nerves, you know. She wears a yellow top tucked into black pants, an outfit she coins as the powerful bumblebee. She brushes her teeth and grabs her staff. When she opens the door of her apartment, she sees that there is someone standing at the mouth of the floor three stairwell. Logan? Is that you? Dylan? Dune? Tara adjusts her grip on her staff and casually walks further down the hall. Closer, we notice some things. It's folk-ish with a sort of head, but too tall, too colorful, too moist. Radiant blue juice seeps from it like a sponge exhaling, but the ick doesn't ever hit the floor. It just reabsorbs and changes shades like some gravity-defiant fountain. If a shadow swallows color, then this must be the opposite. Vibrant waves of clashing palettes pour out of this thing. Tara isn't one to make assumptions, typically. But that's definitely not Logan. What are you? It turns clumsily and stumbles down the stairs. Huh. She follows it. Intermission. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, let's get back to it. Eller Lyoth is making a sandwich in the kitchen. He's serving a tastefully bland sweater and has decided to wear a belt today. As he accumulates ingredients, he frequently, excitedly pushes his glasses back up the ridge of his nose. Eller is never in a grand mood, per se, but he's a skosh preppier than usual. If anybody were to ask him, of course he would deny this. But deep, deep down, he's excited they're getting back today. They being his mother, Luciana Lyoth, partner to Logan Lyoth, with whom he has no qualms. Mikhail, Eller's half-brother, whom Eller only thinks about once a day when he passes by him in the hall. And Agnes, Luciana's personal assistant. Agnes is coming back today. Eller quite likes Agnes. Good form, that woman. Very convincing lips. Eller opens the fridge and fishes around for the cheese. When he closes the door, someone is standing there that hadn't been just now. Got you! They raise a large, oblong-shaped weapon. Who? Wait! And they swing, clocking Eller in the face. Lightning pain crackles through his skull. Fuck! The shadow staggers back. He sees now that it is a young woman clutching a walking stick, one with which we are fairly acquainted with by now. She has the audacity to act surprised. What are you doing? What? I'm making lunch. I live here. What are you doing? Who are you? She looks Eller over, a bit perplexed. Oh. Oh, you're Ellie and Dune's brother. Alex? Elijah. Eller's head takes a 25-degree tilt. I'm confused. Are you murdering me, or do you work here? I'm the prophetess. The huh? Wise woman. Ugh. Oh. I'm really sorry that uh, Hold I... up, my, my ear's ringing. Ouch. That's probably temporary. That's probably okay, then. He leans against the counter and presses his palm to his head. <sighs> Upon wincing and pulling away, he dryly notes some red nestled into his fingerprint. He touches it again. Ringing and bleeding. Please don't do that. It's really unsanitary. Oh, sorry. Are you annoyed? I would hate that. There is some seething eye contact. He breaks it off to go fishing through the drawers for a knife. It's Eller. I'm Eller. Eller? Yes. Ellie and Eller? Yep. Are you... She's about to say twins, but she swallows the word because she has sense. His demeanor is sturdy, and he boasts an overtly average height. Upturned eyes and swooped brown hair shaped by a wicked raven's peak. No, you're apart. Different moms. Oh? Yeah, Dad had a real hoe phase between me and Ellie. Oh. So, you're a new wise woman? Prophetess, yeah. What's your name? Tara. Look... Tara, it's whatever. I'm going to go eat my sandwich. Are you coming to the Territory Hall meeting? 
Why would I? There's going to be some good information shared about my role in the community. And as a member of the house, I figured it would well, be helpful to you. Well, you'll obviously be around and armed. So I'll catch up. Bye, Tony. It's Tara. What is it I said? He doesn't stick around for the answer. Tara takes a moment to herself in the kitchen. She feels a bit bad about drawing blood. She's confused as to where the figure at the stairwell went. She takes a quick peek around the corners and crannies of the kitchen, but it's gone. At the very least, it's not an acting threat right now. Besides, Tara has a meeting to get to in... She checks her watch. Ten minutes. Yikes. The same entryway she walked through this morning is churning with daily life. A rainbow sea of folks walks through that main door and moseys into the meeting hall. She joins the wave and finds herself in a large room with rows of seats, facing a large table with four chairs behind it. Only one of them is occupied. It's by Dylan, who seems busy. Tara, welcome to the hall. Tara recognizes this voice. And I can assure you that while she has met several folks who aren't Logan today, that is not the case now. Logan Lyoth approaches. He is a man of receding but present hair, expressive brows, and boxy stature. Before he reaches the speaking vicinity, he combs his fingers through his beard, which is seasoned with a bit more white than all of the pictures Tara has seen. Logan, it's a pleasure to finally meet you. And you, Tara. How was the journey? Did the circle work out okay? Yep. Well, I was followed by a pretty mean-spirited creature from my end through the circle, so I should warn you about your car. Oh, that's impossible. Only folks can make it through the circle. We thought. So I just want to assure you that I'll be looking into whatever messed up your car. Sounds like you had a stressful morning. I hope you were able to get some rest between now and then. Tara takes a second to stare at him, a bit despondent. His eyes are bright, well-rested. Tara blinks some battering fatigue from her eyes as a critique. She would tell him about the car later, then. One could put it that way. I was hoping I would have a chance to speak with you more in depth. Yes, my hopes as well. Let's meet sometime this afternoon. Excellent. I agree. However, there were some things updated in the job description that you sent me two days ago that I would really prefer to speak with you about before we begin a meeting with the Territory. I don't see what wasn't clear, but we can surely speak afterwards. I just want to make sure that we're on the same page for what my expectations are here in Vallis. You seem to think I'm under your jurisdiction we're when actually I'm- to begin soon, so let's talk later. I just have a few questions. It'll be super fast. Let's take our seats. This could have gone on for longer the two of them stating the same thing in different ways. Tara takes a seat between Logan and Dylan, creating an actually quite stunning tableau depicting Papa Bear, Mama Bear, and Baby Bear in terms of height distribution. Dylan is Baby Bear. This chair is more comfortable than the one in her room. It still isn't great. The last chair on the left remains empty. Dylan, who's that for? Um, the priestess. She's a seat for the chapel, just as Logan is for the chiefdom, and you are for, well, you. Got it. Thank you. Where is she? I don't know. Folks, we are met. Hello, and thank you all for joining us here at Lyoth Hall for our bi-monthly territory meeting. 
As most of you know, I am Logan Lyeth, Chieftain of Vallis. We don't have much business to tend to today. <laughs> Thank the great they. <laughs> but first things first, I want you to remember that since we're now a couple weeks into the season of Solus, days will be longer, sunnier. So remember to check up on the solar panels. Make sure they're in an optimal position to get you enough sunlight to last you through the upcoming season of Ember. We don't get much sun when the rain hits, and you don't want to burn out halfway through. And as some of you are already aware, we've got a new wise woman. Tara, would you like to introduce yourself? Say a few words? Yes. Hello, I'm Tara, and I'm thrilled and honored to be joining the community of Vallis as your residential prophetess. If you want a full rundown of my duties... Oh, sorry, the what? Hmm? Are you a wise woman or a prophetess? It's... It's just the same thing. Ah, here we usually use the term wise woman. Prophetess is what my home territory, Mare Opame, calls the practice. That's all. I'm sure I can respond to wise woman as well. It simply feels more like a compliment than a job title. My expertise and skill set transcends the spiritual advising field. I also work in apothecary, consulting, second opinions, and social justice disputes. If you want a full rundown of my services, it's in the program. It's in the guidelines. It's online. Starting tomorrow at 10 a.m., I am an active cog in this society's wheel. In addition to personal services upon request, I will be a second witness during issues of Chapel in Chief, seeing to it that you receive a well-rounded and unbiased advisory. Well, hold on, Tara. Logan stands a bit hastily, shoving a casual hand in his pocket to balance the action out. Of course... I understand that you've been trained in the craft a very specific way. Here, we've been thriving as chapel-in-chief without the prophetess for three years. So I imagine you'll be quite happy with a lessened workload. Mainly servicing as an advisory only when we deem the matter unfit to figure out by ourselves. I'm not quite sure that's how it works. I don't even see the chapel representative here. They are busy with matters beyond our control at the moment. I am simply stating that our previous wise woman stuck mainly to domestic issues. Some readings, light stuff like that. Ah, so you got to do what you wanted. Tara refers to her notes. And it looks that since Helga's absence, chapel attendance and chief consults have gone down by 37%, while crime and unrest rises by 15 Your folks don't seem very happy. Can we all agree on these findings? There's a small sort of dissonance in the room. Mainly consisting of hesitant nods and averted eyes. You may have the opinion that they like it better around here without a prophetess, but there is no data backing that there has been a benefit. Where are you getting those numbers? Oh, they were public files. I did my research. So, moving past the uncomfy part of this, let's just start fresh. Knowing that I know that you all need help through services that you are not currently receiving. Logan's eyes burrow into hers. She meets this beam. Readily. I'm not here to be liked. I'm not here to convert you. I'm here to help. This all being said, there is a request box in the back of the room. If you have any needs or inquiries that are included in those areas, write your name, how to contact you, and a detailed description of your need. Any further questions you have, you can drop by during office hours, which will be posted later this week. Thank you. Tara sits decisively. Logan teeters back into his seat. Dylan taps Logan's elbow with his pen. Um, Logan, 
Do you want to say that thing about the cleaner parking notice? Oh, well, keep the parks clean. Dismissed. No, like, keeping parking spots clean. Like, you know, when folks pull up and garbage falls out when they open the door, it just doesn't get picked up. It's been a recurring issue in the market district. Yes. Watch for garbage, just overall. Dismissed. So, when works best for you this afternoon? I'll find you when I have time. Logan stands and leaves the table. Dylan finishes writing. Tara worries away at her staff. How do you think that went? I think it went more typically than you think. Um, oh, just one thing you forgot. The request box is going to be outside your office after today, but if they want to add to it, they can take the effort to reach out. Oh, I'm sorry. There's literally no way you would have known. She watches that line for the prophetic inquiry box grow, smiling, eyes bright. Tara's day blurs, for your sake. It's a lot of being dragged around by these new members of her life in a daze. Namely Ellie, sometimes Dylan, and trailed by Dune as information is poured in one ear and out the other. Eller comes and goes like a ghost. Logan hasn't said another word to her, aside from a pleasantry at the dinner table. Can you pass the vegetables? No, the broccoli. To be fair, there were three different vegetable options. He could have specified. The jury's still out on Logan's trunk. That sits in the back of her mind. With it is the strange, gooey shape that coaxed her towards Eller before promptly exiting the chat. She's only gotten more tired and less sure. That billowing request box lingers in the right pocket of her mind, giving her overwhelmed brain a pretty acute rash. Just as Tara was planning on winding down for the day ahead, the hall lights up again. Our final three housemates must be home from their trip. The sun is down, the sky is black. Mikhail Lyoth stands in the kitchen, freshly returned from a week away on business that was not entirely his business. He casts a disassociative gaze into the freezer, loosening his maroon tie as he weighs his options. Yes, he had thought a lot about margaritas between the circle and home, yet... hmm. There's something therapeutic about how awful this specific brand of whiskey is. Hmm. Mm-hmm. This lieth holds himself with a precise form of bashfulness, perhaps trained in him as he does represent his father in certain ways. But hey, in certain ways, he does not. He's a bit shyer in disposition and shares Ellie's downturned eyes and wiry brown hair, amplified in its springiness after the hecticness of his day. Ugh, it really was a rough day, huh? Yeah, both is good. He unscrews the lid of the margarita mix and dumps the remaining whiskey inside. He gives the concoction a good shake, then takes a sip. Oh. oh. It is not good. Mm. Actually? It is not terrible. This'll do. He is not picky. Their negotiation conference didn't go poorly, but... It did not go well, either. No, perhaps it didn't. His psyche has been paying for it the entire trip home. 
The world is dizzy and loud and frightening. Things threaten to begin spinning, and he remembers his breath, right? You remember the pattern. It's fine. Loosen your tie. In. Out. One. You get to sleep soon. Then you get to go back to the job you like tomorrow with the kiddos. That's nice, right? In. And out. Yeah, except we still have stuff to do tonight. I can't... Two. In and out. On three. Three. Mikhail takes another long drawl of his drink. Mikhail? Luciana Lyeth peeks in through the open door. Her light hair is pinned up with a hairpin struck through the center, sporting the same upward angles as Dune and Eller. She wears a purple-hemmed suit and honestly looks fantastic, after suffering the same events as Mikhail. Though, she's had a bit more experience. You doing okay? Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll be fine. Okay. She casually flaunts a joint nestled between her fingers as she joins her stepson and leans against the counter. Ah, so it didn't go well for her, either. Agnes is already in there, giving Logan the rundown so I don't have to. Bought us a few decompression minutes. Thanks. How do you like Silvis's distribution team? Uh, they were really into talking about stock prices. <laughs> yeah. If you don't like our salt prices, that's fine. Just go and find your own flat to mine. Is it mean to say I didn't like Braxton? He truly was the worst of them all. Good thing we get to trade with him for five years? Six. Thanks for filling in for your dad. Though you shouldn't have had to. A couple of teachers do not belong at a big round table. Yeah, no, it's totally fine. I mean, it comes with the name. The new wise woman should be here, right? Oh, right. Damn it. Wonder how that will go. I've met her once before. She should work fine. We should go greet her, though. Yeah. Are you okay to do that right now, or do you need a little more? Yep, I'm, I'm ready. Let's go. Luciana flicks the joint into the trash. Mikhail sets the bottle aside for later. They walk together through the hall into the red circular room. Candles line the dining table. Our solar panels still aren't working? Eller gets broody at night. Must forget to turn it off. They should be moved to the north roof. The east doesn't get enough sun. Preaching to the choir. In the dining room, Luciana and Mikhail see their family, personal assistant, secretary, and a random woman that they will come to know as Tara. Logan approaches, arms outstretched. Lucy, my love, how did the conference go? It was fine. They asked about you more than once. That's kind. Did we get the account? Yeah, we did in the end. Barely. It took Mikhail and I half the day to even get them on nearly the same page price-wise, right? Well, we compromised quite a bit. Are they taking our salt? You should have been there. There were some things that... But you got it. 
Yes, but it was a Mikhail drifts away as Luciana and Logan hash things out, leaping towards his siblings. Mike! 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 (laughs) Hey there. Dune charges and leaps into Mikhail's arms. I missed you, buddy. Aw, thanks. Did you miss me? Oh, definitely. Did you bring what I asked you to? No, I'm sorry. It's the fucking worst. You cannot tell me they didn't have a single embroidery hoop. I did look, but they didn't have the type of wood you wanted, and I asked and everything. Oh, that's sweet and pointless because it isn't here. You have failed me. That hurts, but I get it. Can you get off now, please? Eat. Dune dismounts. Ellie takes his place, hanging on to Mikhail a bit more like a monkey climbing a tree. She looks up at him in that big-eyed, sisterly way. Hey, Elle. Hey, Mikey. I dislike that. I know. Come meet Tara. Who? Tara, this is my brother. Well, not your only brother. Yeah, but he's the one I'm excited about. Tara, who has not changed out of the powerful bumblebee, approaches him with a level of confidence that he doesn't dare match. His face is frozen in a pleasant expression, eyes radiating an energy akin to a cornered small animal. Uh, hi. Hey, um, you're... I'm Tara, the prophetess. Mikhail? Yeah. (laughs) Just Mike. Good to meet you. Yes, you as well. uh, Totally. Hey, hey, look who finally decided to show up. A younger woman makes eye contact with Tara, the last piece to our little puzzle. Everything about her screams a chaotic sort of elegance. Black hair that sharply ends at the ears, soft eyes, pencil skirt, but festive top. She smiles largely and waves smally with her pen. Some of the panic lines dissolve from Tara's forehead. Agnes! Yes! Agnes goes straight in for the hug. Tara is not a hug person, but she politely throws a reciprocating arm around her. Knew it would work out! Hey, Tara! Pink they. I hope I'll be a good fit. Oh, no worries. Vallis's bar is on the floor, I promise you. How's your first day been? Bit of a whiplash. No one really knows what to do with me, do they? Yeah, totally. And I think it's just jarring, for Logan especially, because Helga was so lethargic and out of touch and ancient. And a home brewer. I have her old room, and she bequeathed me a horde of quilts. No! Homemade? Yeah, they aren't good. Oh, that's so on brand that it's upsetting. How did the Territory Hall meeting go? Hall meetings are usually a pissing contest, but that was whack. (laughs) Wasn't much of a contest. (laughs) Got him. What about you? Oh, same. Lucy came out victor, of course. That Braxton guy was just, ugh. Wait, what happened? Oh, Eller has apparated, and oh, he's attempting to smile. He seems just as pleased with life as he did when Tara punched him with her staff. It has left a small red line. Tara eyes it, hoping her shame can projectile heal the wound. It cannot. Hey, how'd your... Yeah, hi. And hello, Agnes. Eller's eyes dilate. Agnes's mouth twitches. How interesting for later. Luciana has broken off from Logan, 
and the siblings part ways for their mom. Ellie, Dune, and Eller exchange the I missed you pleasantries. She returns them with half a heart, quickly turning to Tara. There is no pleasantry, but Tara actually finds this rather satisfying. I've heard so much about you. Mostly good things. Have they been causing you trouble? I'm sure it's no more than the usual amount. Mm, doesn't make it any less taxing. Luciana. Tara. Logan's arms wrap around his partner's waist as he inserts himself into the discussion. Dylan scrambles to join the cluster. Ellie beams, nestled between Mikhail and Dune. Eller broods beside Agnes. They all take a fairly awkward moment of silence, gazing hopefully and fearfully upon Tara. Ah, look, it's a full house meeting. Is this, are we doing a house meeting? Don't we take notes? No. So... Whatever Logan says next is missed by Tara because the blue folkish creature is back. The one Tara had followed that morning with its gooping tendrils and relaxed stance. Now it stands on the table. As she suspects, Tara is the only one giving it the time of day. It watches her and when it has her attention... It touches its brilliantly blue arm to the dark bulb above. The room instantly brightens as the light reignites. The room is bathed in a warm glow, and Tara can now see that the walls are windows, the chairs cushioned. The light does not affect its electrified color. Oh, would you look at that? Light's back on. It was just a blip. We just need to remember to dim it when we leave the room. Yeah, Ella. Blame Mikhail's drunk ass. I bet he left it on before he left. And you left it like that? For five days? <sighs> Dune, it's fine. Just I'm just glad I don't have to climb on the roof to adjust the panel. You weren't ever going to anyways. The shadow's shoulders shrink, water falling into its body. Dissatisfied. Its gangly arm withdraws from the fixture. The light flickers once, twice, then quickly. And the room is bathed in darkness again. Oh, would you look at that? Tara watches this circle of interrogation with placidness. The ominous figure has gone, and now she can only see the low-lit faces of the Lyoth family, Agnes, and Dylan. Dylan is taking notes of the dreadful things being said, with a bit of a drag in his lip. Agnes watches with Tara, but something in her eyes enjoys it openly. Sides are taken. For what, though? Tara can't comprehend the battle. Are we still on about the light? Yep. This isn't really about the light. What do you mean? Ah. So that's where this cycle begins. Back in her room, after the argument had dissolved upon the mention of the work week ahead, Tara finds another quilt. She sets a pen to paper, recalling the shadow she had seen. Familiar, similar to the ones in previous pages. And you know that feeling when you're at the beginning of a big grand something, and there's a small moment where you feel weightless and timeless and strange and you know you know that you have joined or done or begun something quite larger than yourself as prophetess Tara has acknowledged that part of her her entire life 
but she hasn't felt the pending doom of it. Not yet. But now... <laughs> well... <laughs> Tara closes the book. She considers going to bed. The work week starts tomorrow, and that prophetic inquiry box was filled. But of course, there's one loose end that needs tidying up before she can get a full night of sleep. Tara answers the door. Logan Lyeth stands feverishly. His keys jingle lightly in his hands. Hey. Hey. What happened to my fucking car? Hello, reusable grocery bags. I am Hope Bellinger, director and producer of Average Folks. Thank you for listening to this episode. Introducing Olivia Cutterford as Tara, Cole Neeland as Logan, Caleb Kirkevold as Dylan, Hannah Strawn as Luciana, Silas McGilraith as Mikhail, Danny Walker as Dune, William English III as Eller, Gabrielle Brinkman as Ellie, Lydia Christ as Agnes, Rachel Routh as Willow, and Elise Bradford as your narrator. A big thank you to our donors. We're going to list some VIFs, very important folks, that have made this adventure possible. Cameron Kisling, Day Thomas, Kayla Nickerson, Corey Patton, Sarah Fulton, Ali Schlechter, David Shelby, Lizard Sherbert, Dave and Ray, Austin Norton, Madeline McGowan, Kristen Simi. Thank you to Rogue Media Network for all of their support. Thanks for listening to this episode of Average Folks. For updates and overall great vibes, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Average Folks Official. For further exploration, artwork, and merch, check out our website, averagefolks.com. To contact us, email us at averagefolksofficial at gmail.com. Catch you next week, folks. This has been a Rogue Media Podcast. Podcast.